Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, host of the RouterFlex podcast and founder and CEO of our day job recruiting firm, RouterFlex. We hope you enjoy this episode. And as a reminder, please subscribe to the podcast for updates and news. Finally, if you haven't already, check out the series of books we've published on hiring, interviewing, and overall career advice titled The RouterFlex Guide, available on Amazon. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Most homeowners don't have the time or expertise to properly take care of their home, which causes costly issues to arise. That's where Cura Home Maintenance comes in. We're a full-service, routine maintenance company that was developed by a certified home inspector. Each quarter, we service our clients' homes following manufacturer's recommendations to properly maintain all the necessary appliances. We provide the materials and expertise to prolong the life of your property, creating a healthy and efficient environment for your family. From top to bottom, we'll maintain and service your home. To get started, we have a property inspection to determine what needs to be maintained, and a maintenance plan is created based on your preferences. From refrigerator coils to filters, vents, and drains, we do it all, and we do it well. Contact us today for your free routine maintenance inspection and never worry about your maintenance again. Wayne Stanley on the RouterFlex podcast. Hello, Wayne. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you, Steve? Doing fine. I'm doing fine. You're in Indiana today, or are you traveling somewhere? I am. I'm actually home for about three weeks in a row in Kokomo, Indiana, so I'm very thankful for that. And where is that exactly? It's about an hour straight north of Indianapolis. So if anybody's familiar with... I always hear, we've been to Notre Dame before. Kokomo is right in the middle from Notre Dame at the top of the state to Indianapolis in the middle of the state. Okay, very good. Is that where you're from? I'm from, born and raised in Kokomo. I uh, went to high school here. I went to college down in uh, central Indiana and uh, lived in D.C. for 10 years, but came back to start my business. Definitely a Hoosier boy at heart. Wow. When you go to the grocery store, like, you know people, you, like every time you go downtown, like you go to the post office, you see somebody you know? Yep, yep. It's uh, we're not quite that small. I can go a lot and and not, never see anybody that I know. You know, strangers in the grocery store. But uh, we're definitely still a small enough town that you run into folks at dinner and see them. You know, on their their path each week for sure. Gotcha. So you got to you got to behave a little bit. You can't just go down to the bar and throw down and get get crazy because you get your business owner. <laughs> Exactly. I think about that every time I have a little bit of road rage in the car. I'm like, I, I have a little. I've got this business I have to think about here. You know, my truck is, uh, my Jeep is uh, uh, wrapped with Rider Flex for our recruiting firm. And so it's got wrap and phone numbers and website links on it. So I, I, ever since I did that, I'm in the slow lane. I'm very, you know. <laughs> very aware of your brand at all times. Very I know I, aware. Yes. My team's always like, it's surprising that you don't have your car wrapped. And I'm like, I, I don't want uh, to be quite <laughs> out there with it like that. <laughs> well. You know, uh, uh, you know, for for one of the reasons I had to do it for for me is because I I I'm, I live in Colorado, so I go trail riding and stuff in the mountains, and I got a lot of shit on there, like a lot of Jeep stuff. Right. And so uh, if it's a company vehicle that's wrapped, that that helps with some of the expenses. Exactly. <laughs> you guys have to think about the tax benefits of what you're doing here. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so let's see, you grew up there then, are your folks from there and are they still alive? Tell me about your parents a little bit. 
Yeah, um, my parents are both from Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, they were born and, and raised here as well. Um, they divorced and each remarried when I was a young kid. Uh, my father and my stepmother have both passed on um, since then, but I still have my mother and stepfather here. And very lucky that I uh, had that situation where we got four parents instead of two. And even though it was a more limited time with my dad and stepmom, um, it was still, I'm very blessed for that. You said we, you had some siblings there? Yes, I'm the oldest of six. There's a lot of Whoa. half and step and all of that in there. People always want sort of a family tree, but we consider each other full siblings. And that's just how we talk about it. But I'm the oldest of six of us. So do you have any full brothers and sisters that are from the same mom and dad or no? One, one brother. I see. I got you. I mean, you consider them all brothers and sisters, I guess. Right, but still, right. Yeah, just curious. Okay. Okay, very good. How old were you when the divorce happened? Oh, gosh, I think I was in first grade when they finally. Oh, wow. Something. Okay. All right. But yeah. they all lived in town? Like they were all stayed in the area? Yeah, my father and stepmom lived about 30 minutes outside of town, way out in the country. Um, so that close enough, but not too far. Okay. And what kind of kid were you? Were you uh, in trouble? Were you a straight A student? Were you in, you know, at mass every Sunday? What, what, tell me, confess, Wayne, confess. Yeah, right. I, I, uh, <laughs> I wish I had more of the daredevil in me or something, but my mom likes to tell anyone that she meets that I was the kid that asked permission to jump on the sofa. Um, I wanted to know if it was okay if I did that. I was definitely a rule follower, but I, I also, at the same time, every report card had that excessive talking, you know, a little notation on it okay. uh, because I was definitely the, I didn't have straight A's, but I somehow could figure out how to make myself teacher's pet and be popular with the other kids in the class without necessarily having the brains for that or uh uh alienating anybody so i, I felt pretty lucky that way mm, were you always like that then you go to a, a party or a gathering you, you immediately are talking to people you have no problem just starting conversation making friends yes yes and that's that's served me well in my professional life too where now if i have to get up on stage and do something it doesn't doesn't phase me uh even in the slightest and i i didn't think about it as a kid i didn't think about how easy that came to me you know and how much right. you take it for granted because i know it's it's people's absolute worst fear for some that's right and, yeah. uh, i i enjoy it i get energy from it it's interesting you know people with the high eq and great communication skills a lot of times those folks end up being sales sales people mm -hmm. you know they kind of take it for granted like they in their minds they're like well doesn't everybody you know have this skill and actually no not everybody has it <laughs> yeah it's hard to it's hard to reconcile that and to realize that but i think with age like most things you you really start to lean into it when you're like oh this this is a superpower <laughs> that's right yeah yeah no no doubt about it uh okay very good um and then let's see so when you went to school you public relations advertising journalism things like that we, did you want to be like a reporter did you want to be a writer what what was the goal there Oh man, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I okay. uh, I started out in business marketing and uh, in the same semester had to take accounting and calculus and macroeconomics. And I realized uh, once and for all that math is not my, the numbers game is not my thing. And so uh, the more I talked about it with my advisor and stuff, it was like, public relations makes much more sense. Advertising makes more sense. Um, and I didn't know, I, when I was in school, I really thought I wanted to do something in sports marketing. You know, I thought that, that was the the path for me. And um, Why? Well, you were a sports guy? You loved sports or whatever? 
Yeah, Indianapolis Colts fan, Pacers, you know, we've got all the all the best sporting okay. of everything here in central Indiana, which is great. But um, and I thought that was the world. It was what I knew most, I guess, at the time. So I thought that was the world that I wanted to go into. And um, through a lot of different other experiences, that's not how it worked out. But that was the plan originally. But it definitely felt right from the beginning once I was in the PR and advertising space. I was like, this is, I'm definitely good at this. And it, it comes almost, it was sort of surprising because it was like, it comes too easy sometimes. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, before we, you know, get into your business, just give us, you know, kind of walk us through your career just, just a little bit. Were you gonna, did you have interest in politics or, 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 or something? What, what, I don't know. I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile and I'm thinking, I don't know, where was he headed here? Talk to me yeah. a little bit. Uh, yeah, I ended up out in D.C. because of an internship with Richard Luger, which at the time was a senator for us from Indiana. Um, they had a special internship program with our college and um, was able to do public relations for him. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea about uh, politics or anything like that. Uh, I was very lucky that I had a um, very persnickety professor who was in charge of this internship, and he actually made me learn all 450 plus members of Congress and their political affiliations before I went to DC. Wow. It was the most, I thought it was the most insane project at the time and it was grueling, but it was crazy. Yeah. What a, what a pain in the ass. Once you, once you got out to, did you have to stay in DC like all summer? Did you live out there or what? Yeah, I lived, I moved out there uh, in August and I was there until the week before Christmas, the fall semester of my senior year. A boy from Indiana goes out to D.C. I, I will tell you, I've been to D.C. many times. I don't like it at all. Uh, did, did you did you hate it? Did you like it? Did you like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> I I did being being younger out there and everything. I there was there was a lot that I didn't love, but there was a lot that I really enjoyed. There's there's always something to do. So much of D.C. is free that people don't realize. You know, when That's it comes true. to the, yep. the museums and the cultural festivals and all of that. So like. All of that was great. And to be fresh out of college or almost out of college and have all those different experiences, I just thought like this is the best thing okay. that I could do. It's so expensive though. I I was very happy to, to come back to Indiana, but uh for that regard, but man, it was it was a good it was a good time while I was there. And did you think this is what I want to do for a living? I want to stay in politics politics, or did it scare you away from politics? I thought that maybe I would be more involved afterwards in more of like um, grassroots advocacy and things like that, potentially. Um, I knew I didn't want to be in politics. It was, that was a messy time. There were a lot of, there's always a lot of, you know, important stuff happening. Always, what do you mean? Um, it's always messy. What are, you, what are you talking about? It's always messy. I, I know. I know. I couldn't imagine it now. I still have friends that work on Capitol Hill and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how you do it anymore, but um, I knew it wasn't for me long-term. And okay. so when we lost our reelection, I knew it was time to look for a new opportunity. And that's when you went to work for American Land uh, Title Association in DC. So you stayed out there for a few years then. Yep. Stayed out there for a few years. I got to work with them um, on my, I was originally hired to help with their grassroots network and what they were doing with their members in terms of how they networked with members of Capitol Hill. But I was also doing a ton for them on their, their social media presence and their, their marketing in general. And that uh, led to a, a really large program that they, that they launched. And that was kind of the impetus for needing Bo Digital eventually. Okay. So that's where, okay. Now, when you were there, you had said in your video that's on your website, and by the way, for 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 everybody, Bo Digital, it's 
bowdigital.com and not bow b-o-w but b-o-w-e bowdigital.com when you were working uh in dc were you the whole time were you saying yeah this is cool but i'm gonna i'm gonna own my own business someday because you said in your video when you used to do this stuff with your grandparents on the couch and sell the goods or whatever that you knew you wanted to be you wanted to own your own business someday were you thinking that when you were in dc no, I did. I did always know I wanted to own my own business, but no, I wasn't creating my network at the time thinking about how well it would serve me when I wanted to start my business. That's what ended up happening, but it wasn't right. forefront of my mind of why are you doing this every day? What are, why are you creating these relationships? Okay. Okay. All right. Well, what happened then? Did, what, what, did you quit your job? You're like, you got homesick. I'm just going to go home and start my own business. What happened? <laughs> Right. I, I kept, I was getting more of the itch to, to do my own thing, but I also, I was meeting through that association. I was meeting members that owned these small businesses all over the country that said, we just need marketing help. And I tried to get other folks involved and, and things, and none of it was really working out. And I was like, I love doing this. I know these people, why not me? You know? And um, when I told the trade association that I wanted to do that, they said, cool, can we be your first customer? And then the rest was sort of history. I figured wow. if they're willing to take a chance on me doing this, then then the rest will follow, I guess. So the company you worked for became your first customer. Yep. And they're still a customer today. Yeah. So that hey, congratulations. So that's a let's take a pause right there for the listeners of this episode. That's a big one. If you're gonna go into any kind of service related company, if you can quit your job and make that employer your first client. <laughs> I mean, that's a home run, right? Then, then you're you're off and running with a little immediate cash flow from from your first customer while you gain some others. Nice job. And exactly, I was very appreciative of that. <laughs> and by the way, that's trick. That's tricky. That's a tricky conversation to have, right? You go in and tell them, "Hey, I'm quitting. I'm going to start my own thing." Sometimes they're like, "Okay, well, get the fuck out." Like they're you know they they don't, you know it doesn't always go well. <laughs> exactly. I had I did I didn't have any expectation that that's how it would go, but I was very grateful that that was the case. And it doesn't come without its own complexities for sure. But it was uh it was very I'm very lucky that that's how it worked out, and we work hard for them still because of that that chance they took on me at the very beginning. How many years is uh, ago you've had the company for how long? Right at seven years now. You've had one client for seven years uh, as yes. a serv as a service provider. That's pretty good. We're a little bit of a unicorn in that way. A lot of those folks that joined me in that first year are still our, our customers today. And I, I'm very proud of that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's hard to do, you know, uh, with any kind of service related business. It's very hard to keep clients for that long, not only because sometimes they go out of business or they lose cash flow or they shrink or whatever, or they get a new CEO and then the new CEO comes in and he's like, well, I've always used Mary over at ABC marketing. I want to go with that. Like all of, all of that. Right. <laughs> we have lots of that for sure. I thought we were not immune to that, but uh, go back to that network. You know, I didn't realize that those deep relationships that I was building at the time were going to serve me well. And so, you know, they've, they've stuck it in with us while we have grown and had our own, um, you know, challenges and opportunities through Bo, but there are a lot of them. We actually just had a conversation the other day of how do we do more to celebrate their anniversaries with us as like a bigger thank you for really sticking with us through the long haul here. Yeah, that's great. So tell give us the overview of Bo Digital uh, for the audience. You know, I mean, I've had, I've had so many, marketing uh ceos and founders on the on the podcast i don't even know how many uh, several of them are my friends but 
What is unique about Bow Digital? What's your secret sauce? What do you specialize in? Go for it. Sure. Um, we are, as far as deliverables go, we do all the things that your other marketing guests have probably talked about. Uh, on the traditional side, from flyer design and billboards, logos, all of that, strategy, training, we do all that stuff. And then digitally, websites, emails, social media, um, that kind of thing. But I think our real bread and butter has been on content and storytelling. Um, there are people that all the time will meet with us and say, I don't know how you think you'll be able to tell our story after having conversations with us for one, two, three hours, whatever that may be. I don't know how. Um, and so I, I tell folks all the time, I think that we're probably better listeners than anybody in the game because that's really what it takes to be a good storyteller on behalf of someone else. You have to listen. Um, and I think that's probably true for some of the best storytellers. You know, if you read Bob Iger's book, the, the CEO of Disney, Ride of a Lifetime, it's one of my favorite ones right now. I'm not even a Disney person, but the way he talks about how they want to be the best storytellers in the world and how what they do and what that takes. And a lot of it goes back to listening. And I firmly believe in that. And so I think that that's really what sets us apart is we don't have to. I think a big mistake for a lot of marketing agencies especially is that you go in thinking you have to have the best biggest boldest idea in the room or the loudest or everybody else has tried this but we think you should go here or here's this new app or this new tool or whatever it may be and sometimes it's like let's take a step back really tell us what what's your ultimate goal what are you hoping to get out of this and then how do we thread the needle so specifically that we don't do have, we have to do all the other fluff to get to success we tell a great story, if we get people engaged with our content, regardless of where it sits, whether it's on TikTok or a reel or a podcast or whatever, it matters about what we're saying and how we're talking about it. And so I feel like that's probably our our biggest strength. We can do all the other things just as well as anybody else, but you know, give me time with somebody. And that's why I love speech writing the most. That's a service that I still do personally on the team ah, okay. uh, because I love getting to to talk to somebody like you, Steve, and hearing about your business and whatever else and being able to write for you and in your voice and have you feel like it's something that you can really own and feels authentic to you, mm. I know is not something that is easily replicated. And mm. so I, I love that part of what we get to do. Is there anything you don't do as an agency? Like, I mean, whether it's SEO or what, I mean, is there anything you don't provide that you have to outsource? I got asked once if we would uh, develop a, a, a holograph for someone's front office. We don't do that. <laughs> uh, and I would say we do website development, but we don't do other specialized development like apps and things like that. Okay, That's a big one for us. And then the, the last one we get asked a lot is, it is there are a surprising number of people that want us to help manage their CRMs and we don't do any of that. I just think okay. outsourcing that seems like a, a beast and we don't want any part of that. Do you special or do you target any specific industries and what size companies do you target? Um, I would say the bulk of our customers currently are in the financial services and real estate space. So everything okay. from realtors, title companies, mortgage lenders to banks, insurance companies, that type of thing um, okay. are all our customers. But we also have, because of those groups, we've had referrals into, I mean, we've got flower shops and car washes and mm -hmm. all kinds of small businesses in general, HVAC companies, all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that 
one of the things I'm most proud of is that we work with companies of every shape and size. We've got the smallest of companies that maybe pay, you know, a hundred bucks a month for something really small that they need done for them. Um, maybe that's one video a month or something that we're really trying to do on their behalf. Um, all the way up to, we've got a couple of fortune 200 companies that we work with. And for me, the, the fortune 200 companies help give us a budget to have tools and people on the team that service our small guys in ways that we would never be able to normally. Uh, but having the small guys make us listen and serve the, our bigger customers in a way that I think when you get to a certain size, you lose some of that. And so we're really proud that we work with, we really don't have a, a floor or ceiling on budget for folks. We want to work with everybody. I like that. How big's your team, employees and so forth? Uh, we have 21 full-time on, on the team. Contractors or W-2 or a mix? Um, that's the 21 full-time are W-2 employees. We've got, okay. Okay. we've got maybe another five or six 1099s, but 21 okay. full-time employees. Very nice. And do you have an office there in town or everybody's remote? How, how are you running that? Nope. I set it up remote from the very beginning. I didn't want the overhead, especially starting up of a yeah. brick and mortar. And so we've never, never had an office and never will. Everybody works from their own, from their own home. I completely agree. And I run Riderflex the same way. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I always tell everybody, as long as I'm captain, there will never be a, an office location. Uh, and I'm not doing that. That's one of the reasons. I yeah. In our first couple of months, the team would say, are you sure? Like, it'd be so nice if we had an office. To... Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we'll just freeze salaries for two years and we'll do, you know, these types of things. And they're like, oh, working from home is great. But now, you know, we've, we've had people that work for me from the very beginning. And it's funny now because everyone's like over our dead bodies. Will we go back to an office? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you have any family members involved at all at all yeah my uh my sister helped start the company when i not really started but she worked for me as a unpaid laborer is what i kept calling her <laughs> uh she would help create some social graphics and stuff when we first when i first started and i was alone i hadn't made my first hire but um she's since gone on and does do other things now but my mother works for us full-time um oh. She, her title is special project manager, but she loves to tell people that she does all the things that I don't want to, um, <laughs> which is definitely the case. But mostly she manages our, all of our accounts payable, receivable, all that kind of stuff. Now, how does that work at Thanksgiving when your mom's been screwing something up and you're like, mom, mom, you're messing that up. Like, come on, I'm going to have to write you up. I'm going to have to write I'm you up, mom. Like, how does that work? Uh, luck, thank God that doesn't normally happen. I'm very lucky that she was in the professional world for a long time. So I really lean on her for a lot of that. And she, oh, okay. I thought she has a, a strong personality like me. So I really thought there were going to be a lot of like, you might want to think about this or that, but she's really, she's done a really wonderful job of letting me do my own thing and not, uh, we don't get in each other's hair in that way too often. Do you have 100% ownership or did you give equity to somebody else? What's the, what's the ownership table look like for you? We're an S corporation, but I'm still the 100% owner of the company. You've never raised any cash or taken on any outside cash? I took a, when I was hiring folks, when we got really busy in our second year and I, I wasn't sure what was happening, <laughs> trying to keep my head on straight, I took out a small loan at that time, uh, a traditional business loan, yeah. but that, that's all we've done so far. Wow. Have you ever thought about trying to raise cash and going big, going huge, or are you just, are you good with where you're at? These days, I've I've given that more thought. I'm definitely open to that, and there there are some opportunities there that may may make that a necessity. But we haven't done it yet. But I'm definitely open to it. 
Okay. We got to ask you about your personal life now. Married, kids, partners, friends, single. What was are you a monk? What's what's going on? I, right. I uh just single right now. It's me. I, I I live alone, but I have a dog, Samson. He's a Bernese mountain dog that people fawn all over on social media, but it's just us, but lots of family and friends and that sort of thing, but single for now. Wow. Now, have, have you ever been in a serious relationship of any kind? Yes. Yep. Okay. Didn't work out. <laughs> didn't work out. Didn't quite make sense. And and these days, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I've got a good work-life balance. So I'm, I'm in the dating world and trying to make that happen at the moment, but nothing, <laughs> nothing serious that's happened yet. You got any, what are your hobbies outside of work? I love to travel. I, I travel a lot for work, uh, which sort of introduces me to a lot of new places. But then okay. I, I try to go back and uh, enjoy them personally afterwards as well. So that's exciting for me. And then I love I love wine and wineries, um, no matter oh. where they're at. Okay. Um, that's a lot for me. And then music in general. I, I am obsessed with all different genres of music and trying to figure out what's new and different and happening. And I, I still watch the the iTunes charts each Friday to see what, who's, who's launched new music and songs. Oh, really? that week. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Give me, give me, me, give me a, give me a, a band or an artist that's, that's kind of hot on your list lately that I might not know about that I should try. Oh man. That you might not know about that you should try. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to think about that one for a second. What do, what, what categories, what genres do you listen to? Or are you a little all over the place? I'm definitely all over the place. I've got some that are more, you know, everything from um, Red Hot Chili Peppers to old school stuff. I'm very lucky. My parents taught me about all all of the old folks from Etta James and Louis Prima, <laughs> Aretha Franklin, all of that. You know, I, I love all of that stuff. The only thing I'm not really into is I don't love bluegrass particularly. Okay. And then okay. I also probably... I'm not a huge fan of like the screamer rock, but everything yeah. else on the in-between is definitely uh, the case for me. But as far as anybody knew, I would say these days, a lot of people are, are realizing that Zach Bryan is a really good country artist that they yeah, should yeah. be paying attention to. Yeah. Zach uh, Bryan's great. Yeah, yeah. He's on, he's on the list for me. Yeah. Yeah. I've been listening to some of his stuff lately. Um, yeah. He's, he's solid. Yeah. He's solid. Is he from like Drew Green? Where, where is he? What's that? If you're, not listening to, if you're not listening to Drew Green, he's a good one too. He should be on the Drew, list. Uh, yeah, I got some of his Drew stuff Green. on on my uh, favorites uh, as well. Um, nice. And then, how about wine? Uh, so, give me a nice Pinot or Merlot, medium price, not too dry, not too sweet, like the the solid, right? Like, let's call it. When I say price, okay, so let's go with. Let's go with like, you know, 30 bucks a bottle. 30 bucks a bottle. I would say, I, I mean, I try to tell people to look for something that's local to them because I think that that helps yeah. in a big way, but it's not $30, but my go-to, I'm not a, I'm not, uh, I'm more of a cab guy. Are you? And, okay. Um, All right. All right. Uh, uh, the name of the winery is escaping me in this moment. Um, oh, give me a cab then. Uh, it's okay if you if you want to go cab. What's your what do you what do you drink like right now? If I came into your house and we had a glass of wine, what would you be pouring me? It's called Sequoia Grove is the one that I like the most, and it's probably okay. more like a forty fifty dollar bottle. Okay, um, so it's a little bit more expensive, but I love it. I, I'm still a member of their winery. Actually, it's ah. out based in Napa, California. Okay, uh, but I, I love that one, and it's a really easy one, and you can find that. 
their basic cab is available all over the country. So I, I appreciate that too. That I can find out when I'm traveling. The problem with a 40 or $50 bottle of wine is that if you ever have to go back down to $19, it sucks. <laughs> yes, that's true. That is very true. <laughs> uh, if you, if you stuck with the $19 and you never went above that, you would never know the difference. Right. But then once you drink a, a $50 bottle, if you have a glass of that, you're like, Oh, Okay. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. I mean, I, I think if I go way down, even less than what you were talking about, Josh is a good brand that a lot of people like that's carried at Target and Kroger and that sort of thing. It's just Josh Vineyards. And yeah. Oh, okay. It's a so good, it's, got a good it, lot of red blends. It's doable if you have yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very good. Appreciate you sharing that with me. All right. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I'm uh, trying to drink. A, the reason I ask you the wine questions, uh, you know, I'm trying to drink a lot more red wine uh versus beer because the, the beer uh, is kill, you know so I'm, I'm trying to cut back on beer and, and have red wine so it's good you're not just replacing it in general you're just swapping it out really that's good <laughs> exactly yeah yeah miomi my wife likes the miomi that's a little sweet for me though i don't know if you okay. know that. No. yeah i don't like the sweet i don't like the sweet wines at all yeah yeah it's a little sweet uh was it mark west does that ring a bell not to me, but that is okay. It. Anyway, I'm not a yeah. wine connoisseur. I'm not. I'm not like an expert or anything. What do they call them? Uh, so, what do they call them? Sommelier. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. One of those. No, me either. Okay, very good. Um, well, congratulations on building what you've you've built. I mean, uh, you, you bootstrapped it from the beginning. It's healthy. It's grown. You got twenty something people working there. You still own a hundred percent of the business. Great success story. Really awesome job. Um. But now, so so after giving you a compliment, now I want to ask you some tough questions about the future, if you don't mind. If you, yeah, if you, if, I'm ready for you it. Um, yeah, let's talk about the future. I mean, you've done a great job. Don't get me wrong. I, I hey, congrats. Now, what happens, Wayne, with all of this uh, AI and tech that is moving at lightning speed and I can get a video in 30 seconds and I can ask Chad GPT for marketing strategies. I mean, what, and by the way, and I'll stop talking and let you answer and keep in mind, <laughs> keep in mind, you know, whatever we see right now today from AI is as bad as it's going to be. Like it's only going to get better. Exactly. So, so, are you nervous? Are you worried? Do you, you, are you thinking about it? What, talk to me, man. G give, give me this. Yeah. yeah, we do a, a, a annual retreat. It's a two, a three day retreat for our team that um, is each fall. And I spent a lot of time last year trying to outline the future. And it's the hardest time ever. I think in all the years that I've done it, trying to say like where this, some of this is going and all of that. Mm -hmm. My constant refrain for the AI piece, especially in our business right now is that, People should look at it as a tool, not a solution. Um, okay. It's one more tool to make life easier. It's going to help bring about efficiencies and things like that. You know, with ChatGPT, there's a huge push for knowing what the prompts are, you know, developing the perfect prompt to be able to get what you need from that system. Mm -hmm. um, and that's true for, you know, Google has barred now for their, their AI competitor and all of that. And um, I think that I heard on another podcast, I feel, I don't remember the name of it right this second, but they were talking about how you have to have the, the human prompt still with chat GPT. And I think you're right. There's a lot that in the future, it's going to continue to get better. But there are certain things on the human side that are still going to have to be a part of 
what's feeding that machine literally and figuratively because um as far as in what we do differentiation storytelling the heartstrings this the the stuff that makes us truly unique as individuals is a lot harder for it to latch onto. So for what we do, I'm not super worried about it. It's not going to become the best listener on the planet. Um, like, like I talked about, but it's, we're definitely watching it. We're trying to find that balance for us of how much of it do we use? So we know the tool and understand it. And it's not something you're afraid of versus leaning on it too much and losing who we are and making life too easy, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We're actually in the process of trying to figure out an AI policy so that our customers know what are we doing. And that's because, you know, there's even like, um, I think it was 2020, um, the news program now at the end of their broadcast puts how much, what percent of the broadcast was AI generated. <laughs> um, and I think that's that's probably where we're headed, where you're going to see more of where was this. And there's all the lawsuits happening with, you um, uh, the intellectual property that is within these um, AI tools that I think will, as some of that gets litigated, will shake out more too of how this gets used in the future. So I think that people need to be aware and alert to know what it is, to not be afraid of it, um, and to not necessarily embrace it full force right away, but to figure out how to make it work and be a helpful tool for you right now. And that's what we're trying to do. Okay, very good. So you are starting to implement some of it in your in your business, but you're being careful, I guess, or cautious. I, I don't know what the right word is. Yeah, we're being cautious. You know, like one of the small things this year is we said you, you, there's only so many ways that we can talk about Irish proverbs and stuff when we're writing St. Patrick's Day messages. We were like, let's say what what those tools can do to help us in that regard. That's no harm, no foul. It's not. We're not promising that we're going to have the most uh, inspiring holiday messages for for social or for print cards or anything like that. So that kind of thing is a little more like lower hanging fruit. That's easier to try and experiment that kind of stuff with. It's not the same as writing speeches, content, blogs, marketing emails, that sort of thing. We don't use it for that yet, but we are kind of letting the reins loose to let people experiment more. Okay. Okay. Very good. You don't, doesn't sound like you're too nervous. I'm not. I mean, it's changed. I feel like things have changed a ton in the last two years, just with with all the fights happening with Google and Apple and Facebook, Meta, you know, all of this stuff. And what's with with cookies and how we're doing paid advertising and, and all of that. That's changing in a huge way. TikTok is forcing Google to change the SEO game in a huge way. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the reports of people under 30 use TikTok more daily for searches than they do Google that blows my elder millennial mind. That well, well. By by the way, ChatGPT is taking search away from Google too, exactly. every day, every day. Exactly. I, I mean, I yeah, I personally do most of my searches now on ChatGPT versus Google. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I think that I think I mean I would say I bet we're going to see more change in the next three years from Google than we've seen in the last ten because of what they happening. don't if they don't if they don't change they're going to be in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's hard. I mean, for anybody that's over 30 it's hard to imagine a world where google's not king but it hasn't always yeah. been and, and yeah. it's it's changing in a bit and i'm not like you know rooting for its demise or anything but there's just there's a lot happening there that i'm not i'm trying to uh i feel like i'm constantly walking around with a laundry basket right now and just picking up the the socks and the different pieces that fall out because there's so much that's that's oh changing in this space at the moment that we've got to keep an eye on that that makes it hard not to mention 
you know, there's more consumer privacy laws that are happening that affects our business and all of that. Like there's, there's a lot to think about, but I'm not, I'm not worried. I feel like as long as we're aware and trying to adapt as it's happening, then we'll be able to evolve over time without a big issue. You know what? Um, yeah, you're right. I like the, the picking up the socks and the, the <laughs> hamper analogy. Uh, there's so many different tools. I mean, shit, every, I wake every day I wake up, there's something new. Like somebody sending me something, check out this, check out that. I'm like, well, okay. fuck, I can't even keep up. You know what? I'll, I'll be happy when, you know, everybody uses the term artificial general intelligence, right? AGI. And I, there's people have different definitions of that. And some people say we shouldn't be using that term, but here's what I'll be happy with. I, I just want one little robot assistant, like by my, screen that i can just talk to and have it do shit and and i don't want to have to go i don't want to go to mid journey and chat gbt over here and this will be all these different apps and all these different platforms that i got to go i don't want to do that i just want to go to one right agi source and say sally or no i'll probably name her what am i going to name her i don't know yet i, I have to decide rosie but, from the jetsons or something rosie like i'd be like rosie look i need this <laughs> rosie please analyze this spreadsheet for me and blah 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 right, right. i don't want to have to go to all these different places to get shit done i think we're headed that way at light speed i think that's coming I don't, i'm not a tech expert but i feel like all these companies are trying to make quick money with, with things that are happening. But as soon as AGI happens and there's one central resource for these, then I guess maybe those companies still make money because it all flows into your, your singular <laughs> AGI. I, I don't, I don't know. I know. But, I but that's that... the one, that's the one thing with the socks. Like you said, I got all these different places. I got to go. I don't want to do that. I just want to talk to one assistant robot. When can I do that? I think that's what they're all racing toward, you know, everybody from Siri to Alexa and everybody else is trying to figure out how to make that that's already in that realm, you know, work with all these other things that yes. they don't own. And, and what does that look like? I think what that'll look be, like, yeah, that'll be the scary part for people as we move forward. <laughs> it might, might be a little bit scary, right? I don't, you know. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you see these? I see these reports about, you know, 40% of the, of the workforce across planet Earth affected by ai in the next something years and i'm thinking to myself when i read these reports i'm like 40 percent. like does anybody understand that like people read that people kind of just casually read over that 40 percent affected <laughs> they read the article and i was telling my wife i'm like just let that sink in for a minute just really crunch down on that number if 40 percent of the planet had to like figure out how to get a different job it, like like that is going to totally disrupt what's what's going on. I don't think people fully understand that 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 stat when they read it. <laughs> no, no. When I, when I saw that one, I was like, okay, so that's you know just shy of three billion of us. <laughs> yes, yeah. seven billion, three billion people it, are going to be exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like it's hard to wrap your head around. It's hard to wrap your head around. I think it's just a. It's very hard to. I don't, it's very hard to see what that looks like. Uh, it's yeah. very difficult to understand what that looks like in the meantime. Well, you will sooner, sooner than later. You will. That's I know. I think part. I'm going to, I think I'm going to live it. I mean, I'm 56 years old. I, I think I'm going to live long enough to to see some of this crazy yep. stuff happen, which would be kind of cool, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe we won't have to work. Maybe we're all, Hey, maybe Elon's right, Wayne. We'll all be on universal pay and we can just chill and the robots will do everything. Can we, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> 
Maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. He's been right about so much other, right? <laughs> did you see, did you see, by the way, uh, was it yesterday I saw he's got that the first human volunteer patient took that chip in the in the brain and he's i and he's, saw that that was happening yeah uh, it's like and elon's like oh well he's recovering fine and everything looks fine so far i'm like wow like what how did who, what human being signed up to be the test the test guinea pig for that i know that would not be me i'm, I'm nowhere near that list no <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway uh all right my friend um real quick before we go Bo Digital, bodigital.com. Uh, contact Wayne and his team for all of your marketing needs. It sounds like um, he's got a very successful track record on what's going on over there. Great job, buddy. Um, really, congrats on everything you've done. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. I appreciate the time today, too. This was great. Uh -huh.